Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm Mike Fitzpatrick. It was a good week for Michigan basketball. On this week's show, we'll talk about that with beat writer James Hawkins from the Detroit News. First, a few news and notes to get us started. Dave Adolph, a Michigan defensive analyst, died at the age of 79, according to Michigan coach Jim Harbaugh. We have lost one of the truly great ones, Harbaugh tweeted. Coach Dave Adolph brought joy to all he met and associated with. Adolph, a former offensive lineman and linebacker at the University of Akron, joined the Michigan staff in 2015 as the senior defensive analyst and had more than 40 years of coaching and administrative experience. He spent 21 years in the NFL, including as defensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs, San Diego Chargers, Los Angeles Raiders, and Cleveland Browns, and in the collegiate ranks. He worked at Ohio State, Illinois, Kentucky, Connecticut, and Akron. He was also the defensive coordinator at San Diego from 2004 to 2006 under Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh is in the process of filling his roster of coaching analysts this offseason, and he's apparently found another highly qualified coach with a tie to a rather elite 2019 quarterback recruit. Michael Johnson, formerly the head coach at the Kings Academy in Sunnyvale, California, will take a job on Harbaugh's staff here at Michigan, the high school announced Monday via Twitter. Johnson isn't just a former high school coach or the father of a top-flight prospect. 2019 recruit Michael Johnson Jr. is the number one ranked dual-threat passer in his class, but he's also a former college and NFL offensive coordinator. It wasn't that Michigan won on the road in Bloomington on Sunday, it was how they won. Beat writer James Hawkins from the Detroit News joins me next to discuss that and more on our game day segment here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze in Brew. With us on our game day segment this week for the first time is James Hawkins, who covers Michigan basketball for the Detroit News. James, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Mike. Good to be here. Well, it's been uh, quite an interesting year for you, James, and uh, your first year covering Michigan basketball up and down season. Um, quite the ride so far. Yeah, that's uh, that's for sure. But I think that's kind of been the whole story with the entire Big Ten this season. But yeah, definitely uh, Michigan's been unpredictable you never know what's going to happen um just like within these past couple weeks um i don't know if anyone expected them to lose at home to ohio state and then they bounce back and they thrash michigan state at home by nearly 30 and then um you know just on sunday afternoon they go into indiana place they haven't won um since 1995-96 um lost 16 of the past 17 games there and then lead from start to finish um yeah it's been it's kind of weird. You never know what team's going to show up, um, especially at home and road. But um, yesterday was obviously a very good win and a good sign for them moving forward. Yeah, as you mentioned, uh, on the road at Indiana, I can't remember the uh, the statistic. Maybe refresh our memories, uh, but it's uh, it's been over twenty games or one in out of the last twenty some odd games that Michigan's won down there. Yeah, it was. It was. They've they lost sixteen or past seventeen. The last time they they won there was actually in Beeline's first game in Indiana in uh, two thousand nine. And even going further back, like back in, I think, dating back to 1989, they lost uh, 23 of 
uh, 25 games there. So, I mean, just historically, just playing at Assembly Hall has just been, I guess, a house of horrors for Michigan. And Beeline in his uh, his presser before um, they traveled to Indiana, he was talking about even when they had Trey Burke and Stauskas and they had that solid team, they went there and they played a historically bad Hoosiers team and they still lost there. So that just speaks volumes to how difficult it is um, to play in that venue. Sunday, it was just uh, a good sign how they came out. Um, got off to a fast start and just let it start to finish. Well, absolutely. Uh, Coach B said uh, after the game that in all of his years of coaching, Assembly Hall is the toughest road venue he's ever coached in. That crowd, though, on Sunday seemed really subdued from the get-go. A lot of empty seats late in the game, James, but Michigan did a great job of taking the crowd out of the game early, which is uh, no small task uh, at Assembly Hall. They were really never a factor in that game, were they? Yeah, no, it, like they were kind of like obviously loud before the tip. But yeah, once once Michigan kind of they just jumped out, they scored the first five points. Right when they did that, I mean, it was kind of it really wasn't raucous at all. And there was a lot of where they have us sit, they have us sit way up, um, way up in the in the stands. And I've and obviously on both on both sides of the stands, I think it was like the student sections, but they were it was pretty sparse. There wasn't um many fans packed in there. But yeah, they did a they did a good job of of, of taking the crowd out of it really early and. They were pretty subdued the entire game until um, the Hoosiers started kind of making a run in the second half. Um, they would kind of cut it to single digits, and the crowd would kind of start to get back into it. But every time, Michigan would just come back and find an answer um, to kind of take them out of it. So that was the big thing. It was kind of right from the get-go once they kind of jumped out and grabbed that. Um, they got like an eight-point lead early on, or six. It was 14-8, I think, um, at the first uh, media timeout. But, yeah, they were never really a factor. They never really got a chance to get into it. Well, for the last four years, James, Michigan fans have been waiting for Derek Walton Jr. to, you know, put it all together. And he's been up and down in his play. And this year has been the same. But now, uh, as his career winds down, six games left, he's really uh, playing out of his mind right now, isn't he? Yeah, I think he's been playing the best basketball of his career. I actually talked to him about this um, earlier this or last week. Um, you know, it's just kind of, it just seems like I was talking to him about his journey throughout his career and kind of how it's maybe prepared him for this moment to shine. Because you think about when he came in as a freshman, like kind of the surrounding cast he had, I mean, he didn't really have to do much. I mean, there was Glenn Robinson, Nick Stauskas, um, he still had Karis LeVert. So basically his job was just to be pass, pass first point guard, and, you know, just kind of feed those guys. So he wasn't, he didn't really didn't need to do that much on that team. And then his sophomore season, um, you know, he suffered that foot injury. Um, early on in the season, he was playing through pain for like a month or two before they shut him down. And then his uh, junior year, it was kind of him. Him and Zach kind of stepped up. But then they still had Karis and Karis LeVert. So it was still Karis's team. You know, he was still kind of carrying that burden until he went down. And then kind of those responsibilities fell onto uh, to Derek and Zach's shoulders. Um, but this season, uh, yeah, especially as of late, um, five straight 20-point games. First Wolverine since uh, Nick Stauskas in the 2013-14 season to do that. Um, but, yeah, I think the, the biggest thing with him is just, if you watch, it just seems like he's he's much more aggressive driving to the rim. I mean, er, even earlier this season, he just seemed to, I think, you know, throughout non-conference play, like two-thirds of his shots were just um, all from three-point range. Um, and he wasn't really driving and attacking the basket that much. But over the stretch, these maybe these past uh, five, six games, I mean, that's something he's been doing a lot more is, um, you know, driving right at the rim, finishing both hands, um, which is something we really didn't see um, 
a lot early on in the season. No, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to Terry Mills, and he said, you know, Mike, when I watch this team, it's it's almost as if there's not one person that wants to take the big shot or take over at crunch time or when you need to get the team going. But right now, I think you have to say, if there is one person and you want it in your point guard, Derek, is he is really just taking control of the team in these games. Yeah, no, he's he's definitely stepped up. I mean, he's playing with a ton of passion, a ton of heart. Yeah, if you, if it comes down to it now, with the way with the way Irvin's kind of been struggling, I mean, definitely Walton's Walton's the guy that's going to carry the team. I mean, he he kind of sealed that game single handedly um, Sunday against the Hoosiers. I think he scored eight points in the final minute, um, stealing layup, and then he had six free throws after he kept getting fouled. But yeah, at, at this point, he's definitely the one guy that you want kind of carrying the team on stretch. And, and him and him and oh, Zach, they've done that during the season. I believe at Penn State. Um, at home, there's a couple games where they were like they would combine for, you know, the majority of the team's points down the stretch. But just with how Zach has kind of been struggling these past four games, uh, Derek's definitely raised his level of play, and he's definitely the one, you know, down the stretch who's carrying this team. Yeah, absolutely. And the one thing with Derek, even through his struggles uh, this year, he is money at the free throw line. He's the guy you want to have his hands on the ball late in the game, isn't he? Oh yeah, for sure. I think he's somewhere around ninety percent or something like that. Like I said, I mean, in the in the Indiana game, and even like uh, looking back at when they lost at Michigan State, um, down the stretch he scored, I believe, eleven of Michigan's final twelve points. He just continually drove to the rim, drew fouls. He had a three pointer, and then he had eight free throws, eight of eight, you know, free throws down the stretch just to keep Michigan within distance there. Um, and then yeah, and then closing out the games, but yeah, I mean that's that's something you need. I mean, uh, that's you know a guy that you don't need to worry about going to the line, like you know, guaranteed points. That's kind of been a strength of the entire Michigan team, I guess, is the free throw, free throw shooting. So, but yeah, they're definitely, uh, definitely heads that. Well, you mentioned a minute ago Zach Irvin and uh, his struggles. I think he's missed uh, 27 of his last 31 shots. I know he was sick last week, but this team really needs to get him going down the stretch run, don't they? Yeah, before before he kind of came down with the the flu, or when he came down with the flu. Michigan was one and three uh, when he was held to single digits, like when they had the losses at uh, South Carolina. It's just games where he kind of didn't show up as the team didn't have much success. But, I mean, they've proven they can win without him. I mean, at Michigan State where, like, his flu game where he didn't, he kind of just looked a little lethargic and all the shots were falling short. I mean, they proved they could win there and then at Indiana. But, I mean, for this team, I mean, their best offensive performances they've had this season is obviously when Zach is contributing when he's scoring in double digits. Beeline said last week he didn't know if, obviously, the Michigan State game, he was kind of battling flu-like symptoms. And the two games after that, he didn't know if it was residual effects of the flu still. Um, but heading into the game against Indiana, he gave him some rest um, to kind of, you know, rest him up and maybe get him back into shape, in the form. But, I mean, obviously, it didn't, it didn't really work out for him. But he said it's maybe like baseball. It's maybe just, you know, one little bloop single or maybe just one basket here, one basket there is going to kind of spark it. But, yeah, he tried – Urban tried to get his shot going early um, yesterday. He, he took two early threes, both were off the mark, and then he had that, that aggressive drive and finish for the, the end one layup, which uh, ended up being his only points until two free throws in the final seconds. Um, and then he had a couple bad misses. He had, like, a mid-range jumper. He, he shot well long. And then um, the last shot of the first half barely grazed the rim. And then there was another – pull up three-point in the second half that shot too strong and it bounced off the glass. You're no iron. But I talked to Derek Walton after the game, too. He said there's no concern. I mean, because he's, he's still affecting the game in other ways. Um, defensively, you know, 
facilitating the ball. But yeah, it's definitely definitely for them, for Michigan to be at their best, they need Irvin to be at his best as well. Well, Michigan got another solid performance from DJ Wilson on Sunday. Uh, Mo Wagner was his usual pesky self, even ran Tom Crean over on the sidelines, which was funny. Uh, t- <laughs> talk about those young guys and what we're getting from them right now, James. Actually, DJ Wilson, after the game, he said he kind of tweaked his left ankle um, in the loss at Michigan State on January 21. 21- 29th with which I don't think nobody really knew about and he said um at Indiana was kind of the first game where he felt 100% again so he was kind of playing those last couple of games I guess um playing through discomfort playing through pain no one knew about I didn't know about um but you kind of you kind of saw it yesterday he was a couple moments where he kind of got the ball at the top of the key and he just kind of you know just blew by his defender for acrobatic acrobatic layups and finishes at the rim um, he had a couple big baskets in the second half when the Hoosiers they started kind of making, kind of tipping away. They hit a couple threes. I think they went. There's a stretch where they made three out of their four threes. But then Wilson kind of stepped up. He hit a layup and then he hit a turnaround jumper to kind of help push the lead back to double digits and kind of keep Indiana at bay. And then Wagner, it was a his first career double double um, yesterday. But I think the most the positive sign with him is that he came down with ten boards. So there's been several games this season where he might play. You know. 20 plus minutes, nearly 30 minutes, and he's only grabbing like one or two rebounds. Um, him coming down with 10, 10 boards is probably a good sign. It's maybe positive that he's maybe getting better at his technique, better positioning. Because we know like Derek Walton is no stranger going in there and getting rebounds, but I mean, that's a positive sign with him if he's able to, you know, get in there and start grabbing some more rebounds uh, moving forward. Well, the team defense and the rebounding have been, you know, especially the defense has been awful most of the year, if we're being blunt about it. Uh, but over the last couple of games, the D has been much better. I know Coach B has been frustrated with that aspect of the game. But for at least the uh, the last two games, I think it's pretty clear to see that's what's powered this team. The D has been very good the last two times out. Yeah, I think the, the key with the defense, um, I don't. I think they're, the shooting percentages, I don't know how great they are. But I think the key with this defense is that they're just generating a lot more turnovers, especially in their in these wins that they've had recently. I think Ohio State and Michigan State, they had like, you know, over 20 turnovers in both of those games. Let's see, yesterday they forced 15 turnovers and they had 20, 20 points off those turnovers. So I think that's the big difference with them because, I mean, in the end, they still shot for the game. They still shot 49%. Isn't a great percentage for the defense. But I think the key just for, for Michigan um, is that they're just generating turnovers at a at a greater pace um, as of late. You know, they're getting their hands in the passing lanes. There's a couple times where, like, maybe, uh, like, Muhammad Ali Abdurrahman kind of pinned a guy on the sideline, and he had nowhere to go, and he stepped out. Um, a couple times they, they would double-team uh, a Hoosier along the baseline, and he had nowhere to go. He'd end up, you know, falling out of bounds or throwing the ball out of bounds. So defensively, I mean, they're still not really – shutting down opposing offenses like when you look at the shooting percentages but i think the key for them is that they're just generating more turnovers and they're just able to uh, to capitalize off those turnovers and generate more points the things that i've noticed in the last couple of games you would think you hear this all all fall all winter and you practice it but they've been boxing out much better on the defensive end and coach b mentioned a couple of weeks ago the rotation and the health defense has just not been good there hasn't been good communication that's been noticeably better in the last two games though i think that's a positive we were talking to some of the players after the game, um, after they beat Indiana. It seems like they're taking the defense and all the, all these aspects, they're taking it upon themselves, you know, cause I think they understand, you know, what areas they were, they were lacking in. And it was kind of the same thing 
throughout the entire season, the same areas that they're consistently struggling at. So maybe, maybe it was just something that, you know, flipped the switch. You know, I don't know. But, yeah, it just seems like these areas that they were kind of struggling at throughout the entire season that they're finally starting to shore up. And, yeah, communication is a, a pretty big part of it, especially with the rebounding and, uh, you know, the help defense. It just seems like the players are maybe taking, taking more responsibility because, I mean, the coaches can only do so much. I mean, after a certain point, it's kind of on the players to do that. And I think they're, you know, they're kind of taking that to task. Well, with us on our game day segment this week is James Hawkins, who covers Michigan basketball for the Detroit News. James, in a post-game interview, Tom Crean was talking about his team's struggles and said, I'm not sure if the Michigan def- if it was the Michigan defense or not, but I'm sure they'll take credit for it, though. And he's sort of an emotional kind of guy that pops off a lot. And we know a few years ago he had a, got himself into some hot water with the Michigan staff. But you know, what was up with that statement after the game? Yeah, I don't know. It was definitely um, Tom Crean unplugged after, the, uh, <laughs> after that game, after that loss. Um, yeah, he actually kind of uh, backed the bus over his team, talking about how they lack maturity when they face adversity. Um, so, yeah, he didn't, he didn't hold back at all. Um, but as far as uh, the Michigan defense, they, I mean, granted, Michigan had some – they had some breaks go their way, especially early on. Um, Indiana had some – they had some open looks from three-point range, and they just were knocking them down. Um, I mean, Indiana was one of the better three-point shooting teams over the past five years, and they finished uh, four for 19 um, in Sunday's game. So I'm, I'm not quite – I don't know if it's frustration with his own team or what it was, but obviously he didn't seem, seem too keen on giving Michigan credit for – shutting them down. It's odd, though, too, because if you look at when they played um, the first meeting and the last meeting, Muhammad Ali Abdurrahman, you know, shadowing James Blackman Jr., the team's leading scorer, both those games. He has two games this season where he scored single digits, and they were both against Michigan. First game, scored a season low, four points, and then uh, on Sunday, he was held to six points on two for seven shooting. So I don't know if that's coincidental, um, but yeah, he just didn't seem... uh, like he wanted to give Michigan uh, much credit for, uh, you know, kind of containing his uh, team's offense. No, not at all. Well, there are six games left now, four of them on the road. This Thursday, Wisconsin pays a visit to Chrysler, and they should be smarting after losing at home to Northwestern on Sunday, James. Yeah, I don't think that uh, does Michigan any favors um, with them with them losing at home to Northwestern. But at, like when you look at these, these last six games they have, I mean, obviously a lot of the talk is about, you know, the NCAA tournament and you know their resume but they actually have some they have some good chances upcoming um to pick up some quality wins obviously um facing wisconsin at home um which is a winnable game considering when they played at wisconsin um they only lost by four and they were up you know in the second half i believe they were up double digits at one point and they kind of just had all those fouls just kind of piled up those 17 second half fouls and then Wisconsin made their one run, and then Michigan just really couldn't recover from it. So, I mean, that's a, that's a game that they, they can pull out. And then they also play their other last home game against Purdue, another ranked team, which is another chance for, you know, to pick up a, a good win on their resume. And then the, the four wins on the road, um, you know, they got at Minnesota, at Northwestern, at Rutgers, and uh, at Nebraska. So those are all winnable games, too which kind of makes this, this Indiana game going to end in Bloomington. And, you know, it's a place they historically don't win. But I think it just does, you know, world a difference, especially for the team's confidence, you know, going into some place where they really don't ever win and then kind of pulling out that game, you know, kind of never trailing, you know, leading the entire game, heading into this final stretch with uh, four of six on the road. Because you never know what that can do to a team's psyche. I mean, you know, heading into, you know, a stretch like that and they're still winless on the road. 
Well, as you said, the two home games are Wisconsin and Purdue. Wisconsin this week, Purdue in a couple of weeks. And then you've got those four on the road. I mean, maybe Rutgers uh, you can pencil in as a, as a win. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. On the road in the Big Ten, it's tough. We all know that. But you would think if we hold serve at home and get a couple of those road games, we might still be a bubble team, but the chances will look real good for the NCAA tournament, or better, I should say. I think they got to at least get 20 wins to kind of, you know, kind of be on the on the, on the other side of the bubble there. So they got six games left, and they're sitting at 16, 16 wins right now. Then they also have guaranteed at least one game in the Big Ten tournament. Um, so yeah, with Rutgers, though, I mean, you never know, because when they played Wisconsin um, earlier this season, I mean, they, they, they took Wisconsin overtime. So that's just that just speaks to the unpredictability of the Big Ten. You just never really know what's going to happen. Same with Nebraska at Nebraska. I mean, they've kind of pulled out some wins that are head scratchers, and then they lose some games. So you never know what you're going to get from that team. But yeah, I mean, they definitely have some good good chances to kind of pick up these four, at least four wins moving forward. But yeah, picking up a Purdue or Wisconsin win would be huge. Probably their best chances on the road. Probably Rutgers and Nebraska are probably two best chances of picking up road wins. And then Northwestern, you know, they're probably the, the biggest story of the Big Ten this season. Obviously, like you just said, just beating Wisconsin the other night. And then Minnesota, they're kind of, you don't know what you're going to with them either. Well, again, I had Terry Mills on a couple of uh, weeks ago, and he was saying, you know, he thinks five, maybe six Big Ten teams will get into the NCAA tournament. Do you think that's uh, about right? Yeah, I think somewhere around that range. Because I think you can... I think probably the teams that are going to go in so far is probably Wisconsin, Purdue, Maryland, and Northwestern are probably the four that are probably, well, Northwestern, I mean, they probably got to get like one or two more wins to kind of solidify their case and, you know, secure their bid. But I think those are the four that are probably right there for the bids. And then, you know, Michigan, you got Michigan, Michigan State are right there kind of battling for those bids. So, yeah, I can see five or six. I don't think it's going to be like it's been in years past where maybe, they, you know, Big Ten maybe get seven, eight teams in there just because of the parity of this league. I think we know the four teams that are probably going to make it in right now. And it's kind of maybe those one or two final spots that will get in. I think, you know, kind of Michigan's in the running for it. Michigan State's in the running for it. So you got some of these teams that are right there on the bubble. But yeah, I can't, I can't see more teams than, I would say maybe six max. I can't see any more teams than that, just considering how the Big Ten season's been this, uh, been this year. Well, last week, uh, the tournament preview bracket was unveiled, which seemed weird at this point of the season uh, for the first time. And there was not a Big Ten team in the top 16 seeds. Uh, and again, not that it matters right now, but did that surprise you? Well, I think it probably surprised Wisconsin and its fans, considering what, what they're ranked in the nation. Um, and then they weren't even among the, the top 16 teams. But I mean, Wisconsin really didn't help its case, obviously, with losing at home to Northwestern. But yeah, I mean, I think I was surprised to not see, at least at that time when they unveiled it, I was surprised to not see Wisconsin in the top 16 uh, seeds. I don't know how to, how you can take it. I mean, those, cause it's, there's still like, we're still a, a month away from the, the actual unveiling of the NCAA tournament field. So, I mean, I guess they, they do that. I mean, just to drum up excitement, kind of like what they do with the college football playoff. But I mean, I don't really know how much, how much stock you can put into it. Cause there's still so many, there's still plenty of games left. Anything can really happen. I mean, so many teams are still fighting for uh tournament spots. It, it was surprising not to see at least Wisconsin in that, early preview but i mean like i said i don't really know there's there's still too much too many games left to play that it's kind of hard to put too much stock into that early preview well a final thought for me james uh, we've been waiting for michigan to turn the corner we've been saying that since january and you know become a consistent team at least consistent 
and you've been there every step of the way, do you think they've made that turn, or is it just going to be a roller coaster ride these last six games? I thought they were making the turn heading into that game at Michigan State when they had won uh, two straight. You know, they kind of dropped that game, and then they followed that up, and then they ended up losing uh, to Ohio State. So, I mean, I, I, I thought they were hitting that heading into that uh, that game with the, the the revenge win over Illinois, and then they crushed Indiana by 30 and they ended up losing by eight and then they suffered that setback to Ohio State saying now they won two straight again I don't know it's because like I said it it just seemed right then they're starting to hit their stride it could be because that's when you know Irvin came down with the flu and I don't know if that had had to do with kind of the team struggles those two games but I just think this team's about as unpredictable as it gets so I, I I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they lost out or if they won out at this point, just kind of with how the season's unfolded. We can say this. It's all there for the taking. Um, maybe four out of the next six they have to get. They can do it. But uh, stay tuned because it's uh, been up and down and nothing this team does would surprise me. But I think the one thing I fall back on, though, James, is Coach Beeline, what he does in the back half of the seasons with teams historically, they just get better. You can make the case for that for this team as well. I mean, they they played well um, when they were in New York, kind of in that tournament. It was kind of maybe the best they played all season. But yeah, I mean, you can just you can just see this team making strides. Especially, I mean, if you just look at when the Big Ten play started, especially when they were just their defense was just getting kind of torched, um, game in and game out. Um, but you know, these past few games, like I said earlier, defensively they're just generating more turnovers, making points off of that. So I mean, you can just you can just look at that back to when the Big Ten season started up until now. I just think you see a completely different team. You know, on both sides of the ball. Well, and we shall see in these closing weeks. With us today on our game day segment has been James Hawkins, who covers uh, Michigan basketball for the Detroit News. James, it's been a pleasure having you uh, on the show for the first time, and we look forward to our next visit. All right, thanks for having me, Mike. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On quick hits today, junior Caitlin Flaherty scored 35 points on 12 for 17 shooting, and sophomore Nicole Munger tallied the first double-double of her career as the number 21-ranked University of Michigan women's basketball team collected a 75-66 win over Wisconsin on Sunday afternoon at Chrysler Center. U of M took a lead halfway through the first quarter and never relinquished it for the sixth consecutive win. Flaherty scored her third 30-point game of the season, going for a game-high 35 points, She hit 6 for 10 from behind the arc and had 21 first-half points to lead the way for Michigan. Munger turned in 12 points, including a buzzer-beating three-pointer to send U of M to the half and a career-high 10 boards. Sophomore Hallie Tome rounded out Michigan's double-figure scorers with 13 points and 6 boards. Michigan will hit the road for its next contest, traveling to Indiana to take on the Hoosiers this Thursday. The game will be on the Big Ten Network. Tip-off is set for 6 p.m. They are 21-5 and overall, 10-2 and in the Big Ten, heading into this week's action. The University of Michigan hockey team was defeated by Michigan State 4-1 on Saturday, the second night of a Big Ten Conference weekend series. They also dropped Friday night's game. Both teams were scoreless in the first period, but Michigan State took the lead on a goal from Red Holland just over seven minutes into the second period. Spartans added another goal in the second period from Zach Osborne. 
then extended their lead to three on Taro Hirose's goal in the final minute of the second period. Michigan State added a fourth goal from Mason Appleton just under a minute into the third period. The Wolverines tried to put together a comeback in the third period, but came up empty on their three power play opportunities. Michigan eventually added a goal in the game's final seconds from Griffin Luce, his first career goal for the Maize in Blue. Michigan will return to the ice on Friday in a conference road series at Wisconsin. The Wolverines are 1-1 one and one against the Badgers this season. Heading into this weekend's action, Michigan is 9-14-3 overall, 2-8-2 in the Big Ten. The number 6-ranked University of Michigan softball team used an offensive explosion to close out the USF Wilson DeMarini tournament with a dominant win, defeating St. John's 12-2 in five innings on Sunday at the USF Softball Stadium. After struggling at the plate in a pair of losses on Saturday to Florida and the University of South Florida, the Wolverines got hot in the tournament finale, pounding out 12 runs on 14 hits and four walks to earn their first run-rule decision of the season. Senior center fielder Kelly Christner, who batted 533 over the five-game weekend, went three for four with two RBIs against the Red Storm, while sophomore second baseman Faith Canfield, junior first baseman Aiden Falk, and sophomore catcher Alex Sopcic posted two hits and two RBIs apiece. Junior right-handed pitcher Tara Blanco, who's now 2-1, and one, earned the win from the circle, striking out one Red Storm batter while allowing just two hits and three walks through three shutout innings. Sophomore right-handed pitcher Leah Crockett closed out the final two innings in her second collegiate appearance, allowing a pair of fifth-inning runs off four hits and three walks. She also earned one strikeout. Michigan will participate in the annual ACC Big Ten Challenge this weekend, traveling to Raleigh, North Carolina, for two games apiece against North Carolina State and Notre Dame. The Wolverines will open play against the host Wolfpack at 5 p.m. on Friday, face Notre Dame at 10 a.m., and North Carolina State at 3 p.m. on Saturday, February 18th, and close out the weekend against Notre Dame at 10 a.m. on Sunday. All games will be hosted at the Wolfpack's Dale Softball Stadium. Michigan is 3-2 heading into this weekend's action. Baseball will get their season started this weekend in Sarasota with a four-game set against Seton Hall. Thanks again to Michigan Hoops beat writer James Hawkins from the Detroit News for being our guest this week. Our free show app is available from the Google Play and iTunes stores, and you can hear us now on iHeartRadio. Just do a search for The Michigan Man and save us to your favorites. That will do it for another week. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Have a great Wolverine week, everyone. Until next time, take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!